Let's pray. Father, we are in your presence. Lord, we want to mean everything that we said to you, everything that we declared to you, everything that we sang to you. We want to mean it. Lord, we want to be a uh, people of no nonsense because you're a God of no nonsense. You know, there is no nonsense with God. There is no nonsense with the Holy Spirit. There is no vain words, vain empty promises with God. Lord, we are called to be in the likeness of you, to be found in the likeness of you. The standard is to be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. And Lord, everything that we sang, everything that we opened up and declared, opened our mouth and declared before you, may it be found true. May it be found true. Word for word. May it be found true. The meditations of our heart the thoughts of our mind, the words of our mouth, may it be acceptable and trustworthy in your sight. Speak to us, Spirit of God. Speak to us, Spirit of God. Touch us. Touch us by your word. The Lord wants to touch you today by his word. If you truly desire a touch from God today, the Lord will touch you. And it will be a, some of, for some of you, it will be a tangible touch. It will be a physical touch. The Lord will touch you with his word today. You will experience it in your body. I prophesy it over you. you will, some of you will experience the touch of God in your body. Amen. Even as the Lord speaks to you, you will experience the touch over you. Amen. Coming over you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Minister to us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We are in the month of August. As I was reminded during the time of prayer, and Sister Elsa was exhorting us, we're a new, in a new month, say the eighth month. Amen. Seven months have gone past. We are in the eighth month, and I believe we are in that last stretch. You know, when, when you run um, in laps, when you do uh, a lap, you know, there is that, that final stretch where the, the athlete will be just focused on the, the finish line. And he will, the burst of energy will come over him. It'll be like, he's drawing energy from adrenaline. I don't know what all from, he's drawing energy from. But he will, he will give it everything. He'll stay focused on the finish line. Man, he's not looking at the person on the left or to the right. He's not mindful of the, the people who are calling his name. He's just focused on the finish line. He wants to cross and finish strong. I believe the Lord will enhance your vision. Even as we are in that last stretch, this last stretch, where you will be able to see things clearly for what it is. And all that the Lord has ministered to us from the time we started this year till today, you're going to see things clearly for what it is. You know, I believe the Lord is going to remove the clouds of uncertainty. The Lord is going to remove the clouds of which clutter our vision. Amen. We're going to see things clearly. I'm, I'm so encouraged to know all that the Lord is doing in our midst here. Testimonies after testimonies. Amen. Maybe some of you have uh, testified of what the Lord is doing. How the word is coming to pass. How the word is shaping you, changing you, correcting you. Amen. Hallelujah. The word is actively in, in, in action. Actively in motion. Actively manifesting. Amen. Allow the word to touch you deep. Told you the Lord will touch you. Allow the word of God to touch you deep, man. Don't, see, when, when, you, when you really want, see, when, when you really want to be touched, 
when you really want to be touched if my children wants me to touch them they will not go to the next room they'll come to me where i am i'm drawn near to me amen hallelujah they will climb on me they'll they'll be by my side and expect me to touch them or cuddle them amen hallelujah that's what you must do if you expecting touch don't don't be disconnected from god amen shed your pride shed your pride give access to the word of god to go deeper allow the word to touch you deep you must feel it deep in your bones the word must go deep penetrate into the very core of your being the very core of your being should experience that touch that sure touch from god man don't leave any area untouched by the spirit of god by the word of god you know what can transform your life is not man's opinions what can transform your life is not um pep talk it's the word of god no amount of pep talk can change your life god's word can change your life everything else is empty everything else will prove falsehood as falsehood everything else will be a lie but what god speaks to you that remains it'll be proven true amen hallelujah and some of uh, you were testifying of the deep cleaning that you're experiencing the deep cleansing that you're experiencing how the lord is exp- i mean I, i was so encouraged even that uh, sister elsa mentioned that you know allow the lord to pick out a, i don't know whether it was when you prayed or when you ministered uh, you mentioned about how the lord wants to show you areas and i'm so encouraged you know that's what the lord is doing in my life and and that's lord that's what the lord is doing in many of your lives where the lord is showing specific areas and that's what happens when you respond right to god's word and you're not talking about um you know you're not talking about the the big the uh, you know we're talking about the 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 seemingly relevant the seemingly insignificant and to know that god is so even mindful and he is like he is very serious about it god is very serious about you he means business with you the devil means business with you by the way i don't know that's an encouragement but you better be encouraged about that also because the devil means encourage the devil means business with you amen so that means you must be encouraged to not allow that fellow to take advantage of you and go by god who means serious business with you amen hallelujah like i said you know the, the lord was even when i was uh, sitting there in in worship the lord said you know i don't tolerate nonsense that's it I don't tolerate nonsense. I am a no nonsense god. And my people should be no nonsense people. Amen. And many things that are happening today in the name of Christianity in the name of church is nonsense, garbage, filth. When the world will be put to shame by the kind of things that the church resorts doing today. That's how terrible the church has become. When I say the church I'm talking about the so-called church. So but the lord is doing something very 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 amazing incredible man nothing is going to be overlooked want to encourage take this season very seriously what has remained as a mountain in the way of your spiritual progress for maybe for years maybe for years if you can respond to the word of god if you can allow the word of god to come to you that mountain will be cast and thrown into the sea man that which has prevented you from growing that which has prevented you from being where you where god wanted you to be 
stood like a mountain and you're like wondering why am I not able to scale new heights? Why am I not able to move ahead? The Lord is going to do something about those mountains. If you allow the word to come, if you respond right to God's word, those mountains will disappear. It'll disappear. I don't want to feign humility. I don't want to like, you know, pretend that I'm trying to be humble before you. But I know that God has sent me to help you. I said, God has sent me to help you. Man. And I'm not coming with anything of my own to help you. God has sent me to help you with all that he has put in me to give unto you, to deliver unto you. Amen. Because he wants to help his people. That's what the Lord did. You can read through the scriptures and you will see that every time his people needed help, he sent his ministers. He sent his servants to help, to deliver what God wanted them to deliver through them. Amen. That's why it is very important for you to take things seriously. Hallelujah. Take things seriously. Take your life seriously. Refuse. Say refuse. Refuse to stay the same. I refuse to stay the same. I refuse to stay the same. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to remain the same. I don't want to battle the same struggles. I don't want to be in the same kind of sin. I don't want to be overcome by the same temptations. I don't want to battle the same old problems. I don't want to be found in the same old ditches. I refuse to stay where I am. I refuse because God is a God of progress. He takes you ahead. God's word takes you ahead. Amen. It take, he, he, the word of God is, come, is coming to propel you and to, take you, to thrust you into the destiny that God has for you. And if you, if you ignore God's word, you, you will be left behind in every sense. If you ignore God's word, you will be left behind. You will not reach where God wants you to reach. You will be found wanting. You will be found lacking. You will be found way short of where God wanted you to be. Hallelujah. Now we were, <clears throat> we were considering a few things and you know, I remember the Lord telling me uh, about change. Religion will tell you you don't have to change. Do you know that? Religion, it's religion which tells you you don't need to change. It's religion which tells you that you don't need to change. You can get married and refuse to change. And the marriage can end in, in trouble. Why? Because you refuse to change. But a true relationship will demand you to change. A true relationship, if I am in a true relationship with my wife, it demands me to change for my good, for her good. So that we can grow together, we can enjoy life together. Man, that's what, see the Christian life is a true relationship with Christ. It's a true relationship with God. Religion will tell you, you can be just like this for the rest of your life. Go on like this. It'll applaud you. It'll clap for you. It'll, it'll, it'll cheer you up to remain the way you are. But uh, those who are in a true dynamic relationship with Christ will understand that He demands us to change. Amen? He demands us to change. If any, any of you are found in the same place, with the same traits, with the same old issues. I was talking to the 
to the youth, the youth group, you know, when we met for focus, you know, that the, the, what the, what a pastor saw in a people which were, who were churched for 20 long years without any change. They've seen miracles. They've seen mighty wonders. They've seen deliverance. They've seen demons going out. They've seen healings coming over. They've seen the provision of God. They've seen nature. They've seen nature turn for their benefits. Amen? They've seen all that. 20 years, but the lifestyle is still the same. Nothing much has changed. This man of God was sharing his, his agony, his, his utter disbelief. How can a people who've been in church for 20 years remain in the same place with the same old issues? You name it, it is there. Immorality, it's there. Sorcery, it is there. Rebellion, it is there. Insubmission, it is there. Lack of discipline, it is there. Faithful ministers have come and gone. But the refusal to change. You need change. You need no change can sound a lot like freedom. You don't need to change. Oh, that is freedom. You can come to this church just as you are and remain the way you are without any change. That's a church of freedom. What an amazing vision this, this pastor has. That people don't have to change. You're accepted for who you are with all your garbage with all your filth, that's a place of freedom. But I'm telling you, in reality, there's a lot of bondage. It keeps you bound. It keeps you bound to your filth. It keeps you bound to your sin. It keeps, to you, keeps you bound to every agenda that the devil has over your life. It keeps you away from God. See, the Bible says, where the presence of God is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is freedom, there is liberty. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is correction, there is love. And we, were, we were considering on, uh, during focus that, that in the last days, perilous times will come, dangerous times will come and the description of the character traits of the people in the last days. So alarming, so frightening. If you look, if you go through, we went through each of those traits. Like quickly, we just glimpsed through it and it's so alarming. And then it, it, it closes by saying, they are, that there are those who are holding on. Let's, can you put it up? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, Without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Can you believe that? Holding to a form, say form, a type of form of godliness which has denied its power. And goes on to say, avoid such men as 
these. A form of godliness which suggests to you that you don't have to change. A form of godliness which will accommodate all these things. That you being a lover of money, you being a lover of yourself, you being reckless and rash and conceited and arrogant and unloving, ungrateful and a disobedient to your parents kind of a person. All that. This form of godliness will tell you, it's all right, stay there. God loves you anyways. Sounds so nice. God loves you. Which Bible are they reading? God loves everyone. But the love of God does not keep you in the place of your flow and your shortcoming. The love of God compels you to change. Amen? It compels you to change. It helps you to change. A true godliness, not a form of godliness, but true godliness is the power to transform a person from the likeness of sin to the likeness of holiness. That's true godliness. True godliness. It is the power to transform you from your place of misery, from, your, from the disgusting person that you are into becoming Christ-like. That is true God. It's, it's got power. It's the power to transform you. It is not the provision to stay in your filth. It is not. True godliness is not a provision to stay in your filth. I would say it like this. Change a change. Change is at the heart of true godliness. Transformation is at the heart of true godliness. If there is no change, that is not godliness. It's the form of godliness which has denied the power. Because the power of godliness is transformation. The power of godliness in your life is transformation. Where you go from glory to glory. Where you are transformed day in, day out into the likeness of Christ. Amen. And when he comes, you will be like him. That's true godliness. Say perilous times. Say last days. Say end times. Now, this is the time when the devil means business. Amen? God always means business. But this is the time where the devil means business. You cannot live your life foolhardy. You cannot live your life foolhardy. You cannot live your life reckless and rash. Impulsive. Any way you want. You cannot. But that is not so cool. There's no freedom involved in that. What kind, of, what kind of religion is that? There's only one true religion. There's only one true religion. This is true religion. True religion, which pleases God. Which pleases God. Which changes the man from his fallen nature and takes him up and makes him like God, into the likeness of God. But it's, isn't it a matter of personal choice? Yeah, it's a matter of personal choice. Choose this day, life or death. I was listening to somebody and the person was saying, but I believe, I mean, the way he says it, no, I believe it's like there's a camera tilted in a certain ankle. There's this is a certain hue that is given, a certain tone that is given. It looks like a well-produced uh, documentary. Well-produced documentary. And the person who's speaking is a, um, a celebrity of a Christian. 
and they are discussing uh, about drawing the line between sacred and secular. And the person is like, not this one, a few of them. One of them, they, they're saying, it's just a matter of personal choice. And if you, if you take one side, then we are cutting off the world. We are limiting ourselves. Not a single word from God's word was spoken by any of those people. Not a single word from God's word because they will not find it in God's word. I'm telling you, you will not find it in God's word that you can live any way you want. God's word will, tells you, will tell you, choose the side. Choose one side. That's what God's word will tell you. If you profess to be a Christian, it will tell you, it will demand you to, 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 to choose one side, to pick one side and to stay there. God's word will not ask you to live like this. That's not what God's word will demand you to do. There's no provision to live like that. Doesn't matter. No, I was listening to this. I was grieved, not for the people who said it. I was grieved for the number of people who were watching this nonsense, this garbage, this stupidity. A form of godliness. Say a few amens here. Praise the Lord's here. And then fill the rest with all kinds of rubbish. We heard that also yesterday. Absolute nonsense going on. And then just to decorate it, there's an amen. Amen? To what? To all the stupid things that you said? The demonic, thing, the demonic things that you said? The exaltation of the devil that you did? And you're saying amen just to give the idea, the flavor that this is Christian. Doesn't work like that. Maybe you can fool all the people who are seated, seated there, but God is not fooled. God is not fooled. And those who are the Spirit of God, who are alert to the Spirit of God, will see through your pretense. Yeah, and today, see, you must see, as a church, you must rise up and pray that these things will be exposed to the core. Amen. This is the time. The church, see, why are these things going on? Because the church is accommodating every nonsense. Now, when the church arises and takes a stand, these things will be exposed for what it is. We're called to expose the deeds of wickedness, expose the deeds of darkness, because we are the light, the children of light. We are light, the Bible says. So, like I said, don't be rash, don't be reckless. A wrong step can cost you so dearly. I'm speaking to somebody very specifically. I don't know who you are, but the Lord is very clearly telling you, a wrong, listen to this. A wrong step can cost you so very dearly. The consequence of a wrong decision can stay with you for the rest of your life, till the end of your life. And all that, listen, listen, listen. All that the enemy wants is not to have a, uh, you join the university of the devil. No. You think that's how the enemy works? The enemy does not want you to join for a three-year course with him. Enemy just wants a foothold. Say foothold. Just enough space to keep your foot. That's all that he wants. To wreck your life. To bring havoc to your life. One, just one, one place of the foot to place his foot. 
So don't think that, you know, but I, I'm living pretty okay. Pretty okay won't suffice. I'm sorry. Pretty okay will give a lot of room for the devil. Not only one foothold, give a lot of foothold, what a lot of, you know, what not. Room for the entire being to come in and a legion also to come in. You're living pretty okay. Pretty okay. Say, tell your neighbor, pretty okay will not work for God. God has not called to live you, live in a standard of pretty okay. No. Say high standards. No foothold. No nonsense. We are that generation. We are that generation. Man, we are that generation. Raise the standard. Raise your standard. Raise your standard. Don't live any way you want. Raise your standard. Man, now we, we were looking at Saul, the man who missed the opportunity. It was, he was pretty okay. Say pretty okay. This man was pretty okay. I mean, this man was pretty okay. And that's why God uh, picked him in the first place. He was pretty okay. God could work with him. At least start off with him. And we were, you know, the, the, the first king of Israel, when Israel demanded a king, God gave them a king of their choice. And we last week, we considered the fact that he was a man full of what, dreams, donkey dreams, say donkey dreams. This man was petting his donkey dreams. He went in search of the donkeys, pursued after the donkeys, searched after the, sought after the donkeys. The prophet also, when he met, he wanted to ask about the donkeys. Even after the prophet spoke to him, he was still consumed with the thoughts of donkeys. So man full of donkey dreams. Even when God handpicked him to be the deliverer and the ruler over his inheritance. Still in, in, the, in the land of donkey dreams. The choice and handsome man that he was clearly cut about the rest. You know, the Bible says that he was taller than the others from his shoulders up. A cut about the rest. That's what he was. But he was way still short of the standards of God. His life story will, will prove. And in fact, this fact that he was short of the standards of God can be proven, can be underlined by his words. Say words. Your words can say a lot about you. Do you know that? Your words can say a lot about you. Your body language. Your pursuits. I'm talking about Saul. His words, his body language, his pursuits, his responses, his lack of excitement for the things of God, his focus on trivial matters. Hello? Can you see yourself there? Words. Body language, pursuits, response, lack of excitement, focus on trivial matters, complexes. He was a man full of complexes. I am the least in my family. My, my, my clan is the smallest in, in Israel. And his whereabouts, where was he found? When the time of public proclamation of, his, of him being chosen as king over Israel came, Samuel came to Mizpah and said, Okay, let's, let's pick the, the person. God already spoke to Samuel that this is going to be the guy. But then he, he, uh, you know, he made them stand in, in tribes. He made them stand in fam, picked by Lord. Divinely, said divine. The entire process was divine. Picked by Lord. And the Lord fell on whom? On whom? Saul. Where was Saul? Say Hiding. The time when he was to be declared as king over the people came, the man was not there. After all that God did, 
He was found hiding behind the baggage, the Bible says. What does the baggage represent? We looked at that last week. Representation of his self-perception and his self-reliance. Your baggage is your self-perception and your self-reliance. Hello? Can you identify your baggage which you're hiding behind? The baggage of your self-perception. You see yourself in a certain way. The baggage of your self-reliance and your self-evaluation. This is what I can do, this is what I cannot do. God says you can do this, but He says, I don't think so. In spite of the Lord, so what all did the Lord do in His life? The Lord changed His heart. Say, change His heart. Then what, what else did the Lord do? Gave Him words. Say, gave Him word. So Samuel spoke to this guy. God, the Bible says when Samuel was speaking, God changed his heart. One. God gave him prophetic word through the prophet of God. Yes. And then all the prophetic signs came to pass in the, sing, on the, in the same day. Yeah. All those major signs came to pass on the same day. Then what else? The Bible says God changed his personality. He became a different man because the spirit of God came upon him and he began to prophesy. And people perceived him as a different man. Changes personality. All these things happened, but Saul was still un no, not the same. Unsure. Say unsure. You can have experiences after experiences, but you can still be unsure. Okay, let me let me make it. Some of you are not getting this. So Christians today can be born again. Say born again. Baptized. Oh, some of you are like already feeling so ah, born again. Say born again. Baptized. Spirit filled. Church going. Receiving God's word or listening to God's word. You can be all this and still be unsure about the call of God over your life. Hello? Like Saul. Change his heart. Prophetic word came to him. Fulfillment came. Spirit came over him. Prophesied. He was also operating in the gifts, by the way. He became a changed man in the, in the sight of other people. But he was still unsure of what God is calling him to do. You can be like that. You can be, I'm a born again Christian. I'm baptized. I'm spirit filled. I move in the gifts, all that and still be unsure of what God wants out of you. So what, what exactly changed in, Paul, in Saul? Saul had a change of personality. Say personality. Okay, listen to this clearly. Listen, listen. Personality is what others see in you. I didn't say this. I heard it from somewhere. Personality is what others perceive in you. When they look at you and say, pleasing personality, wonderful personality. But character is what God sees in you. Only you and God can testify of your character. Only you and God knows what your real character is. Others can only glimpse your personality. They can fall for your personality. But in real time, they cannot understand or evaluate your character. It will take people or it will take others time 
to understand what the real character of you is give some time maybe some long time is required in some of your cases to understand your true character but god can see it real time one look at you he can see you for who you are what your character is what you're made of how you're wired how you think your personality gives the first impression that's why we when we go to meet a person for the first time you want to go like prim and proper sharp with a lot of swag you go there why because you want to leave an impression your personality can give the first impression but it's your character which leaves a lasting impression your personal the impression that your personality leaves on a person in on other people for a time for a short time it will stay it'll work on your behalf but after a while it's your character which determines the longevity of your acceptance are you with me no your so listen listen your salvation experience uh, could could have been marked with several instantaneous evidences like tears say tears how many of you have cried when you got saved only three of you four of you i cried when i got saved i was in tears i was sobbing like a baby when i first heard the gospel or when i first understood the the gravity of the gospel i was in tears i was sobbing like a child by the way how many of you saved <sighs> for a minute i got <sighs> okay so when you got saved it could have been accompanied by all these signs like tears like sobbing some of you felt warmth how many of you felt warmth i felt warmth within some of you would have just laughed i've seen people laughing and getting saved the spirit of god will come upon them you know maybe this person was in depression or something and the, the spirit of god comes upon them gives them a spirit of joy release that spirit of joy this person gets saved so laughter maybe you you fell under the power of god when you got saved somebody laid hands gave the gospel laid hands on you spirit of god came upon you you fell under the power of god maybe some gifts would have manifested maybe you spoke in tongues maybe you start prophesying maybe some healing manifested in your body how many of you got healed and got saved when you got saved again i'm 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 concerned how many of you have saved i saved are you saved because you don't seem to fit in any of these uh, you know categories sobbing didn't happen tears didn't happen so gifts didn't happen slaying in the spirit didn't happen laughter didn't happen healing didn't happen then what happened when you got saved and do you even remember the day that you got saved for me it, it was a, it was you know a process so a few days maybe a, a small section of time maybe it's like that for you but i remember what transpired in those days and i was in tears i was i had lightness of heart i experienced lightness of my spirit i felt warmth in me like you know somebody poured hot oil on me i felt i felt a blanket around me i don't know about you but i i experienced all this so so maybe you have experienced maybe you're not you're too shy to say about this maybe some deliverance maybe a demon manifested and left i hope so but the transformation of your character is not instantaneous all these evidences which accompany salvation are instantaneous it happen in that instant 
but the transformation of your character are you with me the transformation of your character is a is an ongoing process which is affected as sister elsa said in a real communion with the holy spirit that's what she said in the morning it happens your your character gets it 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 undergoes a transformation it undergoes a change how when you walk with the holy spirit when you commune with the holy spirit when you talk with him that's a, that's the problem many of us feel very safe because we got saved you can remember on 2021 october 1st i got saved okay then what happened i don't know don't know what happened after that you should know did you get discipled did, did god's word come to you correcting you changing you the spirit of god the help say the helper the helper is given to help you with transformation do you know that the helper is given to your life so that he can help you in getting transformed you can't do it on your own i'm telling you nobody here can do it on on your own it requires your but it requires one thing from you it requires your submission say submission it requires your yielding you can only do it by the holy spirit the transformation of your character can only happen in your life by the holy spirit you cannot do it on your own you cannot do it on your own you can try your with your will with your determination it will not happen i'm telling you you can try with all your will with all your determination but it will not happen the only way you can get transformed in your character is by submitting to the holy spirit by yielding to the holy spirit by receiving the instruction of god's word that's the only way and the empowerment of grace okay let's read from philippians chapter 2 verse 12 paul is teaching the philippian church about christ like humility and obedience to the word being ministered he started he's teaching about christ likeness is teaching about humility it's he's teaching them about obedience yeah are you with me i hope all of you know the context of philippians chapter 2 look at the verse verse 12 so then my beloved just as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out say work out work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure say work out you got to work out work out your salvation the word work out for if you are like wondering okay what does that mean does that mean that we have to work for our salvation no that's what not the what the bible says the bible does not say work for your salvation it says work out say work out not work for work for us works work out is grace are you with me work for us works work out is grace in fact the the greek word that is used there translated as workout was also used in mining language in mining language where it 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 uh, you know it, it's like this you dig out say dig out how okay now i'll i'll use tijo as an example i remembered you yesterday when i was preparing this uh how many of you know that tijo is an expert in wrapping gifts most of the gifts that come by maybe for camps or vps and all 
is entirely wrapped by him. Single-handedly, almost single-handedly. Yeah? And he's, an ex, he's a pro. And because I, I can say it like that because I was raised in a ministry which gave so much importance to wrapping gifts. So I know that this guy is a professional in wrapping gifts. The problem with this gift wrapping is it takes a lot of skill for you to unwrap it. <laughs> so just imagine Tejo wrapping a gift for Kathy Baby's next birthday, which is up in September, right? Yeah, so just imagine that for the next birthday that Tijo is, she, she, he got, he found out what Kathy Baby wants, okay? And, and planned with Jean, let's get this for her. She'll be so happy, okay? And God, this, is she listening to all this? <laughs> he might get, end up in trouble, okay. So wrapped, so he, he got this gift, which she so loves, wrapped it the way he, only he can wrap. Well wrapped, like you know, stuck, and you cannot even see the crease, the the folds, the where it is stuck, and all that. It takes uh, intelligence, not not normal intelligence of nations, secret agencies, and all, to figure out how he wrapped it. So he wrapped everything and gave it to Kathy, baby. Kathy is so happy because it's it's a shining, bright gift. Gift wrapper, by the way. But she knows it's a gift. She's so happy, so excited. And she's walking with this box, which contains the real deal. But she's happy already. Your salvation is like that. Your salvation is like that. It is given to you. But it takes your working out to dig it out. You understand? It has been given. You didn't earn it. The Father gave it to you. When you responded to his word, the Father gave it to you freely. Hello? Oh, you're not getting this. Why did I take so much time illustrating this? <laughs> did you get what I'm saying? Now you need to know, Kathy needs his help to unpack it. <laughs> you're not getting this. You're not getting this. Kathy needs the help of the one who wrapped it. To unpack it and get to enjoy the treasure that is inside. That is your gift of salvation. Given to you. It's yours. Nobody is going to snatch it from you. But you cannot unwrap it on your own. Every fold, every place it is stuck carefully. The glory that is wrapping it around. You have to slowly, carefully work out, work it out. How? In submission to the one who gave it to you. Amen. And the person will help you to unwrap it, unravel it. Say unravel it. That's the word that is used. I'm not making it up. Historians say the word that was used there is also used in, in, the, in the mining language. Same, same word. Means dig out. Unwrap it. So the gift of salvation needs to be unwrapped. Fold by fold. So that we can enjoy it fully. And that's why it says, For it is God who is at work in you. Now God who is in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It was the Father's good pleasure to give the gift to you. And now that Father is in you. Helping you. Are you with me? <sighs> so what does it take from you? Say, allow, say, allow. Allow the Holy Spirit. That's, that's all that it takes from you. Allow the Holy Spirit to 
unpack it for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to work it out for you. Allow Him. But Kathy said, no, this is my gift. I got saved. I know how to keep it. And she tries everything possible to get something out of it. She will not get anything out of it. Because only the one who wrapped and gave it to her can help her. You can try it. This birthday, just do the way you wrap it and give it to her. Take a video and send it to the church also. After some time, she'll come to you. Chacha, open Jiyama. Can you open this for me? Why? Because only Chachan can open it. Are you with me? Hello. Your salvation is meaningless to you unless you work it out with the Spirit of God. You can tell everyone that I got saved. You can tell everyone that I'm born again. But it does not mean anything to you. Because you have not unraveled it, unwrapped it, and you're not able to enjoy the benefit of what is inside the package. I want to tell you, nobody here should expect to have a changed character by doing nothing about it. Nobody here must expect to have a changed character by doing nothing about it. If you're thinking that by doing nothing, you can have a changed character, that is just wishful thinking. It will never happen. Because it's the Holy Spirit who reveals, helps, say reveals, where you need to change. Yeah? The Holy Spirit reveals to you where you need to change. It helps you to change. Amen? And equips you to change. You need all this. You need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Where do I need to change? Now, this must be a prayer that you offer, by the way. You know, I've, I've been offering that prayer of late, much more than before. I'm asking the Lord, where do you want me to change? Show me, show me. Where do you want me to change? And the Holy Spirit will tell you, this area, change in this area. Amen? And then, then you're like, how? And He will help you with that. And then you say, I can't. Then He will empower you to do that. That is, that is Christian life. That is Christian life. It's not, okay, okay, now, now, I got it, I got it, I got it. The rest I will do. Just tell me what it is, I will do. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. You just can't. It will not work that way. That is why some of you get so frustrated. You know that some of the things that you allow in your life is not right. But what to do? You're not allowing the Spirit of God to help you in that area. So you remain in the same place with your same age-old age old problems. Because you're not yielded. Say yielded. Tell your neighbor, be yielded. Say be submitted to the Holy Spirit. To God's word. Hallelujah. So, so desire, so desire. Submit. Be yielded. Yeah? And that, that is why you cannot overlook the importance of discipleship in the kingdom. Do you know that discipleship addresses everything about your life? True discipleship will address everything about your life. Everything about your life. If you come under true discipleship, it will leave no stones unturned. Did I say it right? Yes. Yeah. It will leave no stones unturned. Everything about your life will be affected if you come under true discipleship. But if you're not discipled, then you can only claim to be that and this. Nothing will change because it is discipleship that matters. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. He did not say go into all the world and make believers. He said, make disciples. Because he is not looking for a, a one-time event. 
with some warmth, with some laughter, some tears, some sobbing, some uh, gifts manifesting. He is looking for a, a lifetime and beyond. All of eternity is in his mind concerning you. I mean, we are so finite-minded. Our brains are mustard seed size. Our faith is not. But our brains are. So we think very finite. Our measure is very small. So we are only looking at today. Not even thinking about tomorrow. But God has your today, tomorrow, yesterday, forever, eternity, everything covered. That's why discipleship is important. So when God picked Saul... It, look, what, was, what was that about? Think about it. What was that about? What on earth was God thinking? Or what in heaven was God thinking when God picked Saul? You tell me. You know what it was? You know what it was? God was giving Saul an opportunity to step up. Say step up. To step up into the God-given mandate. So a mandate was given. A mission was given. So the opportunity was given. Provided for this man by the name Saul. To step up. Likewise our. Listen, listen, listen. Likewise our call into the kingdom. Is an opportunity from God. <sighs> Lord keep me here. Our opportunity from God. Our call into the kingdom is an opportunity from God to live up to God's expectation by total reliance on the Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. It's yes. a total reliance. For what? To live up to the expectations of God. God has got an expectation concerning your life. Your call into the kingdom, your salvation, your born again experience is a call from God, an opportunity given to you to enter into that opportunity, to come into that place where you can meet the expectations of God concerning your life. That is why you cannot flash the, oh, I'm born again card. This is my born again certificate. This is my baptism certificate. Does not mean anything in heaven. You can go and stand in a queue and say, Lord, I got saved. Look at this. Lord, I... Your certificate does not mean anything. Where are the fruits? Where are the evidences? Where are the long time, long term fruits? Amen. When, when Jesus came, out, came about looking for what? For fix in an off season. This goes on to prove that he is looking for fruit in you, in season, out of season. That's what a Christian has been made capable of doing. To bear fruit. Amazing. Some of the things that you prayed this morning. She said this today. That we bear much fruit. Hallelujah. If, if our attitude in God's kingdom is marked by pride and arrogance, in whatever form. See, pride and arrogance can come in different forms. It does not come and say, I am pride, I am arrogance. No, it comes in different forms. Disguising. So if your attitude in God's kingdom is marked by pride and arrogance in whatever form, then listen, then we are frustrating the grace of God. And we are resisting God. That's what the Bible says. God resists the proud. And when you are, when you are proud, you are resisting God. 
you're frustrating the grace of God because God's grace can only work in the humble, in those who are humble. And so if you, there is no humility in you, if there is pride and arrogance and haughtiness in you, the grace of God will not be operational in you. Are you with me? So you got, you got to see what transpired in the life of Saul. See, the anointed of the Lord. Now, how, how can we say he's anointed? Because David, the next king, at the height of this guy's craziness, whose craziness? Saul's craziness, got the opportunity to slay him, but said, how can I raise my hand against the Lord's anointed? So this man was truly anointed. But the anointing did not change anything about Saul. You can be anointed and... The, uh, that's right. It can, be a very, it, can, it can have a very temporal effect. If you don't allow it to have any effect in you. Anointing, like I said, it's not it. It's he. Say he. The anointing, he. Your anointing can mean nothing in the long term if he is not allowed to shape your character. He must be allowed to shape your character. See, listen, if you truly cherish the anointing, you know what you'll do? If you truly cherish the anointing, the anointing will teach you all things. Pertaining to life and godliness. Whatever you're facing in life, the anointing, he, say he, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. If you truly cherish him. But if you despise him, he cannot teach you anything. That's one thing. So you, how many of you attempted teaching? You cannot, uh, you must, you must all try this. Yeah. Bible teacher is laughing away. You must attempt this just for the sake of understanding it. Now the best punishment you can give a, a bad student is ask that person to teach. Try it. It'll work wonders. Teach. You cannot teach a person who does not appreciate you. Do you know that? You can be the greatest teacher under the, under the sun. In, in the area that you're going to teach. Yeah? That you're called to teach. That you're teaching. The greatest of them all. But you cannot teach a person who does not appreciate you. You just can't. Because it's again, it's a working of grace. Grace can only flow where it is welcome, where it is appreciated, where it is cherished. Same like that with regards to your Christian walk. The anointing, if it has to have an effect in your life, must be cherished. Amen. Must be acknowledged. You, might, you have to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I like that book, the title of the book. It, it, it speaks volumes. That one title can speak volumes. Good morning, Holy Spirit. It, it is, that title can teach you to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Every single day of your life. You must start the day, end the day, run the day. Acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Acknowledging the anointing. Because the anointing can teach you all things. Everything. It can help you change. Nothing else can help you change. So your persistent character flow and your unwillingness can drain out. Your persistent character flow and your unwillingness to change can drain out the effectiveness of your anointing. Somebody listen to this. Oh, this must be taught in churches. This must be taught in churches. This must be received. Your, your resistance to God, your resistance to the teachings of God, your resistance to the instructions of the Holy Spirit, your unwillingness to change, your stubbornness can drain out the effectiveness of the anointing in you. That's why people start here and then end up here. It's not because the anointing does not work. 
It is because he, the person did not allow the anointing to work. Hello, somebody get this. It is not because the anointing does not work in a person. It, it is because the person did not allow the anointing to work. Because the anointing can teach you all things in all seasons. Somebody, somebody. Because God will, see, listen. One thing, I'll tell you something that God does not tolerate. You want to know? You want to know? One thing that God does not tolerate. God will not tolerate resistance to grace being made available to you. He will not. He will not. Later, can you come here? I want to illustrate something. Stand here. There's a little. Yeah? So I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to give him something free. Say free. free. Say free. free. This is free. Yeah. You can open it and check what it is. Yeah, just show it to the, the church. Free. Say free. free. So, the, yeah. So this is free. Yeah. Will you drop it down? Will you throw it away? No. But it is free, right? Then why you don't drop, why can't you drop it down? It is free. It's precious. It is say it is precious. Something that came to you for free does not make you without any value. I can tell him, or you can tell him, but little, hey, look, look at this, little, it is just a piece of paper. Just a piece of paper given to him for free. You can tell him all that. Some color printed paper. That's all, you all can say that. The devil can say, tell you all these things. It's just a, it's a piece of paper. It is given to you for free. Yeah? But if you truly understand that this represents, look, what, what, what is written on this? No, no, that is written, but on this, on this. What is the value here? 500. Say? 500. Okay. Uh, whose seal is, whose seal is? Trisha Bank of India. Trisha Bank of India. Whose picture is this? Gandhi. Mahatma Okay. And uh, look at the signature. Is there a signature here? Yeah. So I think there's a signature, right? The governor, yeah, yeah. RBI governor, governor signature. Governor. So it's all there. So he understood all that and he validates that this thing has value. So he's not gonna, he's not gonna throw it away. Why? Because it is, it is, see faith, sorry, grace is free, but it is not cheap. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. For the person who understands the value of grace, it is not cheap. He will not let go of it. You can tell him there is a piece of paper. You can tell him the cover said free. Yeah, look at that. The cover says free. It's written free. And I told him also it's free. He didn't earn it. I just gave it to him. It is free. Grace is free. But it is not cheap. If he understands but if I give it to Kathy baby and say this is free, she probably will not understand. You know why? Because she does not read 500. She does not understand that this is Mahatma Gandhi. She, she cannot decipher the, the signature of the governor of Reserve Bank of India. Okay, keep it. This is free. Huh? She might just drop it based on what other, maybe other kids can say. Yeah, that's just a piece of paper. Just keep it. So, say, say grace, grace is not cheap. It is free. It is not cheap. Salvation is free, not cheap. Okay. 
I'm going to give you one more cover. What does it say? Say free. 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 Say free. free. I'm going to give it to him. Open it. What is that? It's 500 again. So it is given to him for free. More. Say more. Abundance given to him. Will you drop one and go? Why? You got two now. Why can't you just drop one and go? <laughs> Will you drop one and go? No, I won't. So grace can come to you in abundance. But it is not to be wasted. The grace of God can come to you in abundance, but it is not to be wasted. Just because he got grace upon grace does not mean that he can waste a part of it. It is precious to him. Why? Because he understands the signature. Because he understands the emblem. He understands the value of that piece of paper. You can go back. That's yours. Are you getting this? See, this is how we must understand. We must understand these things. Something has been given to you for free. Does not mean it is cheap. Does not mean it is cheap. It is precious. But you got to understand it is precious to you. It has been given to you in abundance. Grace upon grace. Multiply, multiplication of grace. It adds to the value. It does not diminish the value. Because I gave him another final does not make it 250 each. I, just because I gave him one more does not make it of a lower value. It makes it double. That's how grace works in your life. That's how grace works in your life. Understands the understand the value of grace. Understand. Give attention. Give heed to what grace is. What is grace? Given to you for transformation. Given to you for change. Given to help you. Given to empower you. The ability of God which came to you. To make you like God. The ability of God which came to you to make you like God. Nothing else could do that in your life. That is grace. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the very person of Christ. Amen. The very likeness of God in you. That is grace. So in chapter 8, Israel demands a king. Okay, let's, let's just run through the chapters quickly. In chapter 8, Israel demands a king. In chapter 9, what happens? Saul is chosen as a king. In chapter 10, He meets with, uh, with Samuel. He's anointed and proclaimed as king in the, in the sight of all Israel. In chapter 11, okay, after he was proclaimed as king, we see Saul's mighty exploit against the Ammonites. That's the, that's the first thing that he did. He saved the people of uh, Jabesh Gilead against the Ammonites. He was so furious when he heard that this, this uh, king was uh, threatening them. So he went into battle and God was with him. The, the Spirit of God came mightily upon him, the Bible says. I'm not going to go into that chapter, but I wanted to know what happened in that chapter. So we see, uh, you know, Saul being, uh, Saul being a deliverer. 
to save the people of Jabesh Gilead. In chapter 12, we see Saul being the coronation of Saul as king. Yeah, the coronation of Saul as a king, um, which came with a strong warning. See, I mean, I, it's, it's a brilliant chapter. It's an amazing writing. You must go back and read these chapters, especially chapter 12, where the Lord calls a spade a spade, but it shows mercy to his people. It's amazing. The language of that, the prophetic word which came through Samuel. The Lord says, yes, you did that. You did all that. What he's doing is wrong, but still, you're my people. My people. If you do right, I'll be with you. The mercy of God. Oh, the mercy of God. If I, stay, if I go into that chapter, I might be preaching on that chapter for the rest of the year. So I just decided to skip that chapter for the time being because I want to show you something else. Verse th chapter 13. We see Saul overstepping Samuel. Ah, now Saul is confident. He's not the timid guy he was anymore. Now he's overstepping Samuel now, to offer the sacrifice. The, one of the first prophetic uh, words that came to, to Saul was, you go to Gilead and wait for me seven days. Yeah? And then when I come, I'll tell you what to do. He waited for some days. He was on, a, on the verge of a battle, but he decided to overstep Samuel, took things into his own hands and offered sacrifice, thereby keeping, falling to keep the commandments of God. And then Samuel steps in and says, what you did is terrible. Today God has sought for another king. Tells him, today God has sought for another king because you are not able to keep what God has instructed you to do. So the, your kingdom, your throne will not be established forever. That was God's, God would have done it for him. But because he did this, took things into his own hands, God says, I'm going to seek for another king. And he says, a man after his own heart. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. In chapter 14, we see again, we see the rashness of this man. Say rash. Very rash behavior, impulsive. He lives in the moment, whatever comes, feels right to him, he does that. So he takes the oath, he's, he's up against, a, uh, <clears throat> against an army and he tells the people, today nobody shall eat anything. Nobody shall eat anything. They are in war and the people are starving. His son, not knowing the oath taken by, and he said, anybody who eats today shall be put to death. Jonathan, not knowing the oath his, which his father took, which Saul took, dipped the end of his stick into honey and just had a little bit of it. And then later, Saul comes to find out that this guy has done that. Again, he made a very rash oath saying, whoever has done that, not knowing that Jonathan is, Jonathan is the one who did it, whoever has done that shall be put to death. Then he comes to know that Jonathan has done that. Almost gets him killed, if not for the intervention of the people of Israel. Because Jonathan won a battle for them. Single-handedly, almost single-handedly. When I say single-handedly, leading an army. So that happens. The rashness of this man in, in making oaths before God, making, saying things without, think, without thinking. And now, if you, I wanted to go back and read these chapters to see how terrible this man has turned out to be. But that climax, say climax. Climax of his journey begins in chapter 15. 
the following chapters entails, uh, I mean, details the rest of his life. But in chapter 15, you see the climax of this man's journey. And we're going to go through it today. Let's read chapter 15 together. Then Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people. So now Samuel is saying, just for, you to, for your kind information, if you, if you remember, I'm the one who anointed, anointed you as king over this people. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Okay, let's go verse by verse. You have been anointed. You know, for what? To listen to the voice of God. Samuel reminds Saul of that. I, am, I anointed you as a king over this people. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Dear church, God, the Spirit of God has come upon you. You have a responsibility to listen to the voice of God. It's not so that you can live any way you want. The anointing over you compels you to, to be obedient to the voice of God. Amen. I'll repeat that one more time. The anointing in you compels you, puts you in a place of responsibility to listen to the voice of God and take heed to the instructions of God. That's what this is saying. That's what he's saying. Samuel is saying. I came to anoint you. I came to you. I came to you before to anoint you as king over this people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Speaking with authority. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek. So he's talking about an enemy nation, Amalek. For what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. So this is something that the Amalekites did to Israel. And the Lord wants to deal with that. Now go and strike Amalek and ut say utterly. Say utterly. Say utterly. Utterly destroy. One more time. Say utterly destroy. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and say donkey. 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 Say donkey. Say, say like how Saul would have felt. Ah, donkey. The, the donkey, donkey. My father's donkey. Suddenly remembered. Flashback. Father's donkey. What was the instruction? Go, strike the Amalites and utterly destroy man and woman, child and infant and all the animals that he mentioned that ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Then Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. So now his army has become big, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you. I got a powerful word, sir. He's saying, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. 
So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So step one, done right. He came, told the Kenites, you have shown kindness to the, the people of Israel, so you can depart. If you stay here, I'm going to utterly destroy you. So they, they hated to the, the voice of Saul, the king of Israel. Next verse. Verse 7. So Saul defeated the Amalekites. Is it a surprise? Is it a surprise that he defeated the Amalekites? Why is it not a surprise? Because the word of the Lord told him to go and defeat. See, when God tells you something, don't be surprised by the outcome. You just obey, the outcome will follow. Yeah. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And utterly destroyed all the people, say all the people, with the edge of the, of the sword. He captured Agag. But he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Okay, let's see what's going to happen. Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag. What does the instruction? Say utterly destroy. So what, he, what is he doing? Spared Agag. Who is Agag? Agag or Agag? The king of Amalekites. For, but Saul and the people spared Agag, Agag, and oh, what? And the best of the sheep. This man has a liking for animals. It has not left him. He's an animal lover. The best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, say good. And were not willing to destroy them utterly. Uh -huh. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. What was the word from God? Okay, let's, let's, let's go step by step. Samuel came to Saul and said, I anointed you king over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the words of the Lord. And then he says, Go. Utterly destroy the Amalekites and all their beasts, all their animals, man, woman, child, infant, sheep and oxen, camel and donkey, whatever is there, utterly destroy. Don't spare anything. That's what it means. Is that what, you, what it means? Tell me what, is, what does it mean? Utterly destroy means? Finish everything. Say annihilate. Wipe out. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the best, said the best. the best. Oh, the best, oh, that's why. The best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, say good. So the best and the good were spared and were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Next verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I, who's speaking here? Who's speaking? Who's speaking here? Who's speaking here? The God of Israel, the God of heavens and the earth, the one true living God, the God who called him and made him the king 
over his inheritance, trusting him. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. The prophet couldn't handle it. The prophet couldn't handle it because God came to him with a regret. Can you, can you, can you, can you picture this? God coming to you with a regret. God coming to you with a sad face. I regret. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. This man, now if, if you ever want to be in ministry, may Samuel be a model in your life. May Samuel be a model. I have not seen a person like him. He has seen the, the most rebellious nature of Israel. And he, this is what he said. I will not stop praying for you. I will not do this sin. And you can read that in the previous chapters. I will not sin by ceasing to pray for you. His heart was for the people. In spite of their rejection towards him and towards his God. In spite of the rebellion, in spite of the, the new king taking things into his own hands, in spite of Saul sidelining him, the man, the man felt the emotions of God. The emotions of God. Today I was praying, I was sitting there, I was praying, Lord, I want to feel what you feel for the people. And I, I didn't remember that I'm going to preach on this. Samuel felt what God felt. The regret that God felt concerning Saul. Samuel felt it. He was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. Early in the morning. And it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself. The man is on a, the man is on a crazy ride. It's a crazy ride. He's so full of himself. When you're so full of yourself, you will build monuments for your own self. Hello, lovers of self. You're not building God's kingdom. You're building monuments for your own self. You're building, you're not making God famous. You're making yourself famous. He set up a monument for himself and then turned and proceeded to on down to Gilgal. And Samuel said to Saul, and Saul, and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. Self-evaluation. Say self-evaluation. Self-righteousness. This is called self-righteousness. It is not just in the Old Testament. It is also today in the New Testament. I've done. I've done it. I got baptized, I go to church, I pray every morning, I give to the poor, I tithe, I worship with my hands up, I sing most of the songs, 
I do that, I do this. Blessed are you of the Lord. But look at me. I'm the one who obeys God. I have carried out the command of the Lord. How, how, how dare? Say how dare. How dare. How dare. He tells the prophet of the living God. Who anointed him king. That he has carried out the command of the Lord. Whereas in reality he has not done it. That is the condition of man's heart told you about character. Personality was very pleasing. Handsome man, choice man, above the shoulder, taller than all the rest in, in Israel. But over a period of time, the character flow that he has gets revealed. It comes out. It surfaces because he never chose to disciple himself to the instructions of God. He was on his own, doing his own thing. Making his own oaths. Building his own monuments. I have carried out the command of the Lord. I can, I can even, even picture him. The way he stood before, before Samuel. When Samuel came to him. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said. What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of the oxen which I hear. What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? You can hide from God. You can pretend before God. But He can see. He can hear what you think He cannot the evidences of your self-righteousness, the evidences of your sinfulness, the evidences of your rebellion, the proof of your stubbornness, your obstinate nature is not hidden from Him. And He will call it out. He will tell you, what then is the bulleting of the sheep that I hear in my ear? What then is the lowing of the oxen that I hear in my ears? Can God hear it? What can God hear? What can God hear? Rising up from your life. Your boastful pride which says, I have obeyed it all. In the background can he hear the bleating and the lowing. In the background of your boastfulness, in the background of your self-righteous proclamations, can God hear the bleating of the sheep which he asks you to discard? The lowing of the oxen, which he asked you to get rid of. Utter, see, utterly destroy. See, the Spirit of God has come in your life to utterly destroy sin. The Spirit of God has come in your life, the grace of God has come in your life to utterly destroy sin. To put an end to sin. To make you live like, just like Jesus Christ. And you are saying, I am I'm perfect. I am doing well. But God can hear the bleating of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen in the background which you think he will not hear. How dare you tell God that I am perfect when you are not? Unless you receive the grace, 
unless you receive help from the helper you're not going to get any help from him you're frustrating the help of the holy spirit you're frustrating the grace of god it will it will be in your life in vain the great the bible warns about it the new testament warns about it the the new testament warns about the grace of god in your life becoming in vain your attitude in the kingdom can frustrate the grace of god so don't pretend before god don't make those those remarks before god don't pretend before anybody you can fool people like i always say you can fool people you can fool your parents you can fool your friends your husband your wife your pastor you can fool all of them but you just can't fool god you can't you can't fool god you just can't fool god he can he can see right through you you might be wearing uh, the sharpest of yeah that's right the the sharpest of suit but he can right he can see right through it the way you are naked and stripped of all self righteousness he can see you not just your body but even the depths of your being the depths of your heart the deepest recesses of your soul he can see that's what the word the word can do it can divide say divide divide able to discern say divide between the join of bone and marrow and discern between the thoughts and intentions of man that's god's word so you cannot go before god and say i have done it lord mission completed lord says then what then is the bleeding the lowing now you know when you when you work for earthly masters after some time you you know their weaknesses you know their you know you think that you are smarter than them and you try to smart work you know smart work and you do things which you you you're hoping that they will overlook your flaws and you tell them done the master will come then you realize that the master was probably much smarter than you thought one look sees flaw shortcoming mistake calls it out now we are talking about god who does not need to even look like this to figure out whether something is wrong or not that god sees you just the way you are he reads every thought even before a word is upon your tongue he has heard it in his ear do you know that even before you gave voice to your thoughts god has heard your thoughts loud in your own voice but you never you never allowed your vocal cords to move but he has heard the meditations of your heart much more the things that you do the things that you see the things that you listen the things that you watch the things that you indulge in he sees it all you must have done it behind closed doors you can fool everybody like i said but god can see it god can see it you can't fool god you just can't fool him he can hear the bleating of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen and he asks what then is this what the, then is this that i hear in my ears and saul said verse 
They have said they. Say blame game. Instruction came to him. The commandment came to him. Man is an expert in this, right from the Garden of Eden. When God interrogated Adam, the, 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 the one that you gave me, this woman, who you gave me. Before he, she was woman of, well, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. Now the woman that you gave me made me do this. So where is the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bones part? It's a blame game. We like to put the blame on the other person. Oh, it is such a terrible thing that we do. And for, to see Christians doing that, not owning up to the mistakes that you've committed. See, everyone can make mistakes because we, we, still have to deal, we are still dealing with our weaknesses. We are learning, we are growing. So we can, we may, that's the right word to say, we may make mistakes. But when we pretend that we have not made it, and then when it is called out, you pass the blame on to the other person. They have brought them. So who are you? So who are you? It's a king. So who are they? Your people. Now he's saying they have brought. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Say for the people, not me, okay? Not me. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. It's a worship. Huh? That, that's right. That's brilliant. I was about to come to the Lord. The sacrifice to the Lord, uh, your God. Because you, you say that your God loves worship. You told me that your God loves worship. So they, not me, so, so where are you? Where are you now? You are not in the picture. You are not in the scenario. The blame is on them. They, them, they got it for your, your God to sacrifice. Like I said, you know, Say a little word, amen here and there. It's a little hallelujah. It'll pass. That's what you think. Not with God. Not with God. Not with God. Amen. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. He thought he can validate the mistake. To sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. You know that? The rest of it we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak. Let's stop it here. Speak. Speak. 